Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, this is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio, and I'm excited because we have two guests, not just one, and I'm excited because they're my friends, Karen Hurt and David Dye. And uh, let's start with Karen, who is a top leadership consultant, the CEO of an organization called Let's Grow Leaders. I met Karen at an event. It was the International Customer Service Association event. It was in Jacksonville, Florida, a beautiful place to have a meeting. And she did an amazing speech, and we started talking. I said, you know, you should do more of that speaking. And she says, well, I'm an executive in a major company, Verizon Wireless. And then uh, guess what? She uh, left Verizon, and she became a speaker, an author, a consultant. And she was named Inc. Magazine's list of great leadership speakers, which is pretty impressive. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for having us. And then we've got David. David over there, David Dye. He, he's from Denver, Colorado, uh, a former executive at a nonprofit. Uh, he is an award-winning author, and he's president of an organization called Trailblaze, which is a leadership training and consulting firm. And how did I meet David? Well, I got to know David. I don't know, I, David, I don't know if I met you before this, but I actually needed a ride from the airport to uh, a, a little roadside stand where I was meeting a bunch of guys who happened to be in the speaking business as well. And uh, somebody put out an email to a group of people, hey, I've got this friend coming in town. Can somebody pick him up? And by golly, David stepped up. And here we are today. Is that a pretty accurate depiction of the story? That's how we got to know each other, absolutely. <laughs> so we spent uh, at least an hour, hour and a half in the car on the way up the mountain in Colorado to meet these guys, it is, which is one of my favorite restaurants in the whole world. Do you remember what it's called? Marion's. Marion's in Idaho Springs. In Idaho Springs. And it is without a doubt the best breakfast place in the entire United States, if not the world. I'll put it up there. Anybody want to challenge me? It'll at least be in the top ten. I guarantee that. So interesting way we met. But Karen and David, the way you guys met, you guys haven't known each other that long, have you? Well, it's interesting. We've been, it's been quite a journey. We we met online about five years ago where because we were both blogging in the same leadership space and, and to a very similar audience. And so, you know, as we found that we were really resonating with each other's words, uh, we, we started to have a few phone conversations. And then we met face-to-face for the first time actually at an NSA book publishing lab uh, because we were both interested in writing a book. And as we started chatting, we realized that we were writing the same book and that it might be a neat opportunity for collaboration. All right, let's tell everybody what NSA is. If you've been listening to my shows, you know NSA is not the National Security uh, Administration. Those are the people that listen. We are part of NSA, the National Speakers Association. We are the people that talk. And in addition to talking, we also write. And we had, I remember that exact event because, Karen, I told you to go to that event, didn't I? Yes, you did. Absolutely. And it was about how to publish and and exploit your book. And uh, by golly, you did it, and you've done everything uh, just like textbook. You're you're the case study poster child for what uh, a brand-new NSA member should be about. And, uh, David, you'd been in NSA for a while. Yeah, about uh, three, three and a half years now. Great. So you wrote this book, and let's talk about the book because that's what this show is about. The book is called Winning 
well. And who does not want to win? But specifically, the subtitle is A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul. Now, as I read the first part of this, I thought to myself, is this book a good book for our audience? Because we have everybody from CEOs to solo entrepreneurs to people that are still even in school thinking about what they want to do with their lives. And after reading through it and and taking a good look at it, I thought, you know what, this would be a great book, and I'll tell you why, because it's for people that are in leadership. It's for people in management and pretty much anybody that aspires to ever be in that type of position, which is probably most people taking the time to listen to a show like this. So Winning Well, A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul. It's out. It's available at Amazon.com. Yes? Yes. Absolutely. And uh, I suggest that as we take a short break later on or we end the show in just a little while, that you do not pass go or collect $200 till you go to Amazon and take a look at this book. So let's go ahead. We now know how you guys met, and you found out you were writing the same book. Uh, Let's talk about the book. What's the difference between basically winning and, as you call it, winning well? Oh, a great question. And, uh, you know, years ago, Jack Welch uh, wrote a book called Winning, as a matter of fact. And uh, and the approach to winning is basically a get results at all costs type of approach to leadership, to management, and to getting things done. And the reality is that when you approach results and you approach your work that way, you end up turning people into objects. You separate yourself from the very people you need to be successful. You end up isolated, bitter, burnt out. And we see that all the time and all the, the statistics around employee engagement and manager engagement and, and so on just reinforce that notion. And we've got an epidemic of, of people who are really separated from the very people they need to be successful. So the, the essence of winning well is blending the bottom line with the human spirit. I like that, blending the bottom line with the human spirit. Because here's the thing. I think a lot of companies are very operations focused. They're very KPI, key performance indicator focused. They're very revenue focused and not necessarily people or customer focused. And I think that's what you're trying to say. There needs to be some soul. There needs to be some heart in this. And it's not just to be touchy-feely and good. The reality is that the results you get are more sustainable and actually easier to get when you're doing it in that human-centered way. Wow. So what are three things managers can do immediately? And I, I always love to put a number. Give me give me five if you have time and we have you know, but what are the let's start with three things that managers can do immediately to start winning well. Karen, why well, don't you tackle that first? Yep, yeah, sure. So uh, one of the things that we really talk about in the book so we have we have a couple of sections. One is where we focus more on results and then the other section where we focus more on relationships because the model is all about um, grounding yourself in confident humility, and then uh, really having specific tools and techniques to achieve the results you need, as well as to build the relationships. So I'll give you one from each category. Um, so you know, in terms of uh, in terms of results, we have a whole chapter on running effective meetings, and uh, you know that starts with getting the right people to the meetings and making sure that you are not wasting anybody's time by inviting people to meetings just because you think that they uh, it is politically correct to do so. Right. So, I mean, meetings uh, with, can, can be a co- – I mean, just clog everything up, can stop everything. You know, if you want something absolutely. done slowly, do it by committee. <laughs> right. So, you know, so we start with whenever you're having a meeting, make sure you're doing it to accomplish one of two things, to either, uh, uh, you know, make decisions – 
And so you need the, the right people at the meeting to make those decisions or to build relationships and to have the conversations that you need to be having to work on the team dynamics and those kinds of things. If you are having a meeting for any other reason, there is likely another way to get that information across. So, uh, so in that chapter, we talk about getting the right people there um, and then how to structure the meeting so that you are uh, extremely efficient with a, uh, defining the outcome that you want. So as a result of this meeting, we will um, you know, have made a decision on X, Y, and Z. So or as a result of this meeting, outcomes. we will mm-hmm. – Yeah, definitive outcomes. And then uh, from there, make sure you close every meeting with who's going to do what, by when, and how will we know. So uh, you know, that's an example of some really practical tools that we do in the results section. And then in the, in the relationship section, uh, I'll share one, David, and then maybe you can share another, um, is you know, really talk about how do you build genuine connection with your employees. And we give a variety of ways to do that. Um, some is by asking very strategic questions that get people to think and help people to uncover for themselves uh, what they really need to be accomplishing, helping asking the right questions that help get people connected to the mission of what you're trying to accomplish with the organization. It sounds like communication is really the uh, overarching theme of that one. Yes. Absolutely, in, in many, many ways. The uh, Another uh, relationship-oriented um, challenge that that many, many leaders, business owners, managers face is when things aren't going the way you expected them to, how do you hold your people accountable in a way that is drama-free? And we actually encourage 360-degree accountability, which is that your team can hold you accountable, your colleagues can hold you accountable, and you have that same freedom up and down and around the organization chart in healthy teams and in healthy organizations that achieve results. You've got the relationships to do that because everybody's approaching it with confident humility. So we lay out a a seven-step. It's an inspire model. Each letter stands for uh, a task. But basically the idea is you can very quickly make an observation about behavior, call attention to it, let the other person get some input into it, um, re-clarify the expectations, and move forward. And it doesn't have to be a a big, huge deal uh, that so many managers and leaders end up making it. And so you're able to keep like Karen said, you're able to keep attention on the results, but in a way that's relationally healthy. All right. So the, this Inspire model, uh, I-N-S-P-I-R-E, that's seven letters. Uh, before we take a break, give us what those seven letters are or seven letters mean. So you start by initiating the conversation, right? So mm-hmm. that you say, okay, I've, uh, you know, do you have a minute, right? So then from there, it is notice. I have a notice, and you share your concern or observation. Then you ask, S is for specific support, so you give evidence of uh, your observation. P is for probe, where then you uh, you uh, ask the, the employee to uh, help them reflect on what's really happening. I is then you invite them to share their thoughts and about how they could solve the problem. R is review. You review what they've agreed to do. And then E is enforce. So you set up some time that you're going to follow up and to ensure that they're doing what they've agreed to do. That sounds like a perfect speech. (laughs) (laughs) You expand on all of those. I think that would be great. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the book, Winning Well, because that's what everybody wants to do. So we'll 
dive into some more of the more important concepts of the book because I want people to walk away with not only a good idea of what's in the book, but some really good tangible takeaways that they could use as soon as they finish listening to the show and get back to their daily routines and responsibilities. We'll be right back. My name's Shep Hyken. We're talking with Karen Hurt and David Dye. Don't go away. Chef Hyken here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.shepondemand.com. Once again, that's shepondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Karen Hurt and David Dye about their new book, Winning Well, which is now available on Amazon.com. Before we go any further, though, I need to tell you Karen spells her name differently. Uh, it's K-A-R-I-N instead of E-N, but Hurt is H-U-R-T. It could be spelled differently, H-E-R-T, but it's H-U-R-T. But David Dye is not D-I-E, it's D-Y-E. And so if you're searching for them and wanting to learn more about them, uh, that's how you spell the names. But the book Winning Well is going to pop right up there if you go into Amazon. And you guys have websites as well, yes? Yes, we Absolutely. do. And where so, can we learn more about you? Yeah, so our our book website is winningwellbooks.com. Perfect name. (laughs) Kind of explains exactly what it is. And I am at Mm letsgrowleaders.com. And David is at? And then you can find me at trailblazeinc.com, trailblazeinc.com. Perfect. All right, so let's jump back into some of the great takeaways from the book. What are some of the most important concepts in Winning Well? Sure. I think one of the concepts that, that we get, once you've got the model in place of approaching and being grounded in confidence and humility and then focusing on results and relationships, one of the first places we apply that is to something you mentioned earlier, Shep, which are those KPIs, right? Um, because every business exists to do something, and those KPIs are important. Revenue is important. Outcomes are absolutely important. The, the trap that happens, and we have a chapter called Escape the Metrics Maze, is that for many leaders, many managers, and in the customer experience um, sector as well, you see this a lot, where there's so much emphasis put on the measurement that the work starts to be about changing the measurement as opposed to what it represents. And so our way of saying that is you want to play the game, not game the score. The idea is that there are specific behaviors that you know will drive that customer experience and your satisfaction ratings and your Uh, and all the different metrics that you're looking at, that's where you want to put your focus. And so we say, you know, your customer doesn't care about your internal scorecard. They care about their experience. So what are the behaviors that drive that? And that's where we want to keep our attention in a way that, again, combines the focus on results with the focus on relationships. I think that's really important. Uh, I mean, too many times people jump into, and let's just talk about training in general, okay? They jump into, here's how you do something. And and let's talk about customer service training specifically because 
That's what I do, right? <laughs> That's my part of the Absolutely. big part of the world outside of doing this show. You know, we focus on customer service training, and I always talk to my clients about, hey, we know what we're trying to do. First of all, we have a measurement. We know there's a reason you want to do the training. Either you want to increase your customer satisfaction levels or scores. You want to increase retention. You want to, you know, sales perhaps as a result of better service. So there's all these numbers that you're measuring. And then you say, okay, let's put together a training program to go out and train these people on how to do it. But I think the part that's missed is the part that you just brought up. And that is, before you can do all of that, it's important to know the why behind it. There needs to be some philosophical or cultural piece that's in place before you can actually start training to the specifics and the tactics and the how-tos. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you. It makes total sense to me. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. So anyway, uh, so I love that you keep using that word confidence and humility. So uh, give me some examples uh, of what you mean by that, actual behaviors, uh, um, just, you know, maybe is there a role model or a case study we can think about and look at? Yeah, so absolutely. So so confidence, when we talk about confidence, we're talking about having a, the audacious vision to set goals that are um, very strategic where your team is looking at you going, I'm not sure we can do that, right? So that you have to have to have real breakthrough results, right? You need to have a confidence to believe something very significant can be done. It also involves standing up for, for what matters and being willing to, to take a hard stand when needed, even if that's with your boss, with your peers, or with your team. And then the third part of confidence that we talk about is uh, speaking the truth, right? And so uh, being willing to really uh, have the tough conversations that you need to have in, in, a, in a positive way. So, and then when you go to the other side of the continuum, which is humility, it's really about knowing your vulnerabilities, uh, to understand that, yes, you have strengths and the confidence in those strengths, but that you're not perfect and you, you need to surround yourself uh, with people who will supplement uh, your skill set. So that, that's part of it. Um, being willing to admit you're wrong is, is a very important part of humility. Um, inviting people and surrounding yourself with people who will challenge you and who will tell you the truth and being open to hear that. Um, and so if you've got the, that combination, that powerful combination of confidence and humility, that is where you will be building deeper trust with your team, deeper trust with your customers, and, and from there, you've got a really solid foundation then to focus on the external values that we talk about of results in relationships. You know, it sounds to me like your, your typical high-level CEO is, is you know, uh, I guess you can stereotype that person. He or she is a bull going through and making decisions and, you know, follow my lead. But you're, I think you're talking about something not softer but a different a different angle, a different tactic. And uh, I know um, I'm, I'm a leader by collaboration. Um, I have an idea. I want to get there. Uh, I'm willing, and, and I think this is, and I, I use myself as an example only because uh, I think I have, um, I was just on a board of directors where I actually ran the board of directors, president of a major organization. And one of the things somebody once said to me, she, they said, I'm impressed with your leadership style. What's that? You're willing to listen to others and then do a 180 after you've heard their side of it because you say, you know what? They're right and I'm not. Maybe Is mm -hmm. that what you're saying? Absolutely. And, and there's an example that we share in the book. Uh, when, I, when I was in uh, 
my last role at Verizon, there was a very, very senior leader who um, was absolutely challenged everything I was trying to do with my particular organization. She was just not a fan of the direction where I was headed with it. But I, I really felt strongly that we were able, that we needed to approach it this way. So she was letting me do it, but she was very articulate in any senior level meeting that she had concerns whether what I was trying to accomplish was doable. And we did it, and it changed the game, and we absolutely turned uh, a significant uh, part of the organization around in a very positive way. And I invited her to come speak to my uh, – I had an all-hands meeting of about 300 folks. And she got up in, in, on the microphone, and she said, you probably know that I was really opposed to this strategy, and I have to tell you, I was wrong. When she did that <laughs> – the level of credibility that she gained with my organization was huge. And, I mean, the text messages were offline. Can you believe she admitted that she was wrong? And it made all the difference in the world. And, and, and it, it was so affirming to people um, because we, um, we really wanted her to believe in us. So, uh, to me, I, from, from then on out, I was a raving fan of hers. I love that. I love, and you know, I, I always, I always joke with my wife when she says, "You're right." I go, oh, "Say it again. Say it." I need to hear that one more time. You're right. Oh, thank you. But, but here's the thing: I, I don't want people who are listening to this, who are, I don't want people to shut down right now because they've just heard, you know, I need to admit that I'm wrong. You don't necessarily need to admit that you're wrong, although obviously humility is huge, and sometimes that's a great credibility builder. It's a great uh, morale builder is to admit that somebody, you know, that you're wrong, but you could really flip it and just say, you know what, I am so glad that I have an amazing team because, you know what, I may not have been on board with this, but you guys proved that this could be done. I am so proud to be a part of this team. That kind mm -hmm. of says the same thing without saying I'm wrong, uh, but it right. absolutely gives credibility to that to the team that works so hard to make it right. And it, I think it might have the same effect. So, uh, you know, it, it does. Humility, it's huge. It, you've got to be able to admit that somebody else knows something that you don't, does it better. You know, uh, I love it when a CEO says to me, I'm not the smartest person in this room. I surround mm -hmm. myself with people that are in their particular areas much smarter than I am. And when they admit that and they know that, they know their strength is to lead a group, not necessarily to make those decisions. Right. Absolutely. All right. So we're talking about this new book, Winning Well. Great book. Got to get it. It's it, the subtitle, and I love it, A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul. You're not only working on the operations side of things. You're also uh, things in business. You're also working on the people side. And, and when we come back after the short break, we're going to talk about how this not only applies to the people you work with, but the customers who you do business with. My name's Shep Hyken. This is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Doesn't everyone love Disney? I know I do. And I also love a great book. And Lessons from the Mouse by Dennis Snow is an excellent book. Dennis shares 10 practical principles from Disney and entertains as he educates. So check out Dennis Snow's book on Amazon.com. Once again, it's titled Lessons from the Mouse, a guide for applying Disney World's secrets of success to your organization, your career, and your life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. 
Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Karen Hurt and David Dye about their new book, Winning Well. And we've been talking about confidence. We've been talking about humility, the importance of being real as a leader when you could admit that other people are smart, that other people are doing a great job, that other people are helping you make decisions. And even if you could admit on occasion that they know it more than you do, that maybe even you're wrong. These are the types of things that make leaders real, get them respected, and get people to want to follow them. So we've been talking a little bit about, just a tiny bit we touched on customers. We've been talking mostly about the dealing with the people you work with. So as you know, I'm a big customer service and customer experience guy. I know that a lot of this resonates well with customers. Let's talk about that. Who wants to go first? I, I will, Shep, just uh, because I spent so many years in call centers and, and helping people really focus on having a best-in-class customer experience. And one of the things that we always found was confidence was huge, right? So if a customer calls into a call center and the, the, the agent that they get on the other line, it does not answer that phone with complete confidence and showing up as an expert, you've got a problem, right? But if the if they answer it with all and start to act like a know it all and um, treat the customer without the sense of humility, um, then it's a massive turnoff for the customer as well. So I think the confident humility model has everything to do with creating a real uh, engaged customer experience. And you know, I think and then, humility, by the way, humility is is all about sincerity. And uh, I don't, you know, it's one thing you can script or try to script empathy, although it isn't real when you're scripting it. And it's like you're just scripting empathy. You, I don't know if you can script humility. Right. Right. And we have a, we actually talk about it in the book. Uh, there's a, a section, uh, a story that, that uh, called I am not a bot, B-O-T. Uh, I'm not a bot as an I am not a robot type mm-hmm. of a situation. Getting to that exact point, which is that, there are things that need to be scripted and we want to be as efficient as we can in our interactions with, with our customers and with our clients. And whether you're in a call center or, you know, in my work, it's, uh, uh, I do a lot of work with nonprofits and, and our public service folks. And so you've got clients and folks that are showing up in person and the same principles apply, but if they feel like you're just a bot, just a robot, just spitting back those scripted answers, that's not a legitimate real connection any more than it would be for your team members or your employee. And so how we navigate it's important to figure out how to navigate build, building that relationship and focusing on getting the results that the customer wants. And that can vary by person. If you've ever had that customer in line right in front of you who just needs that extra couple of sentences with the the, uh, the service person on the other side of the, the counter, you may be all business. I just want to get my results. I just want to finish this transaction and go. But sometimes the person in front of you needs that extra two or three sentences of personal connection. And that you can learn to do that just like you can learn to do it with your team members. Right. We call that adaptability and understanding your style versus their style, whether it be a colleague you're you're working with or somebody you're doing business with. Very good. Karen, I felt I cut you off. You were getting ready to share something else. No, I think I think David covered it. I think we're good. Good, good. So um, what's you know, as you've shared this book with with readers, and I know you've had advanced copies out there, what what's resonating with them? What do, what do you hear? What's the feedback? What like the juicy parts that mm. they go? This is what I love about this book. I'll start on that one. We have received actually just got another one this morning, and we got one the first day it was out. And uh, at Barnes and Noble, we had a guy who went right in, grabbed it, and started reading right there. And 
sent us a message uh, that said, oh my goodness, this is scary. Have you been watching my job? He felt such resonance with the way that we described different workplace scenarios and the reality that a frontline and mid-level managers experience every day that he really felt understood and heard. And that's part of uh, something we were aiming for is that Karen and I have both lived all this. Everything that we're sharing is practical. There are tools that we've used ourselves and succeeded in our own careers with and then have shared with thousands of other managers. So that's been a cool bit of resonance we've experienced uh, to start with is people saying, yeah, you get me. You understand where I am and, and the, the world I'm living in. I think that's so important is that you came from this. And and therefore, when people say, you know, this book, it spoke to me. It touched me. So um, why this book, it, why is it different than other books. I mean, that's one of the things that you've emphasized and all the material that I've looked at and we've had these discussions, you say this book's different. Why? Well, the, I think one of the main things is that it is incredibly practical. Uh, someone, one of the readers wrote to us and said it is a dis, disarmingly practical. Like, so because you can just, you could take the tools and immediately go apply them with your team and achieve results. So yes, it's grounded in theory, uh, but it is it is a step-by-step guide in order to, that you can use these tools and achieve results. And you can you know you can use the table of contents and say, okay, I got to go run an effective meeting. Let's do that now. Or I'm really having trouble connecting with uh, someone in my organization. There's tools for that. I've got to fire someone. Okay, there's a tool there. So I think that is what it's at a manager level that is very, very practical and yet um, also has enough of the, the f- philosophical, um, you know, how do you want to, what kind of leader do you want to show up? So it, it, it serves a dual purpose um, for both of those things. Wow. And, and so I, I think that's great. It's like a handbook. It's you should keep yes. this, you know, in your in your not on your bookshelf, but in your desk drawer for when a situation pops up, you can open it up and boom, there's an answer on uh, a technique or a tactic or maybe several on how to deal with a particular situation. All right, we're running out of time. So I always ask the one thing question at the end of an interview. So I'll let each of you take this. Here's the question. What's the most important leadership advice you have for our listeners? And uh, I'll flip a coin and David goes first. (laughs) <laughs> Not ladies first here. Okay, so I'll start. Uh, you can defer to the to the woman if you would. Like, but I, I would love to do that. It's the you know the gentleman in me, and I know what she'll say anyway. Karen, what you <laughs> so. For me, it is is a lead from who you are. Don't try to emulate somebody else's leadership style. Get absolutely clear on your leadership values and trust your instincts and lead authentically. All right, so be yourself. Great idea. Mm -hmm. David, what's yours? So if you go to the dentist, the dentist will tell you if you're a knucklehead and can't do anything else, they will say, please, brush and floss. Brush and floss. And there's a lot of magic in that middle word, and. And so our, our brush and floss of leadership is in every interaction you have. Focus on results and relationships. Don't make it an either or. Every meeting, every one-on-one, every strategic planning, every problem solving, even when you're terminating employment. How can you achieve results? How can you build those meaningful professional relationships? Do that. You're going to be okay. Love it. Love it. Great ideas. 
The book is called Winning Well by Karen Hurt and David Dye. You can get it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other bookseller near you. If they don't have it, they can order it. Hey, thanks for joining us here, Karen and David. You guys are awesome. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're right in the middle of this huge book launch. It's a great book. I hope everybody goes out and and takes a look at it and, and buys it. And congratulations on such a wonderful book. Oh, thank you so much, Steph. We really appreciate you. Well, my pleasure. Everybody, thanks for listening. My name's Shep Hyken. This is Amazing Business Radio. And as I like to say at the end of every show, I like to remind everyone to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.